I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So, Robin, can you start by giving me a brief summary about yourself, sort of who you are, what you're about? I understand you're a PhD, an ordained minister, and holistic energy practitioner. Can you kind of go more into that? about who you are and what you're about? Sure. So I think probably the best place to start was uh, at about age 21, I went into a treatment center for a eating disorder. And just before that, I had become a Christian. And while I was there, I just really felt strongly God calling me into counseling. And I was that was not my major at school. So I went back, I changed my major And I got my degree in psychology, and then I just began to learn all these different modalities between counseling and ministry, and just was very, in my opinion, divinely directed in my path. I also had chronic fatigue in my early 20s, and just in the process of trying to figure out how to address that, I came across a chiropractor who did a process called muscle testing. And he was able to determine that my uh, chronic fatigue was primarily being caused by mercury toxicity from dental work. And so this is way back when we people didn't use white fillings. Everything was metal and it had a lot of mercury in it. Since then, it's it's changed. This is in uh, probably 1989-90. And uh, so I had all my fillings removed and replaced and my chronic fatigue eventually went away. So again, just kind of directed on a more alternative path with medicine and vitamin supplements, nutrition. That path continued. I got married, had children, and ended up using a midwife and kind of went on the direction of getting some education on vaccines and vaccine injuries, decided not to vaccinate my children. So I was always kind of a, you know, investigator, researcher, things just kind of came across my path, I would do a lot of research on understanding those. And, you know, so I became that person and uh, didn't do, I did a lot of ministry. I, in my marriage, I was married to a man who had a sexual addiction. And so from a counseling standpoint, I went much more into the addiction field of trying to understand being a co-addict, also ministering to people with addictions, living with one. And so I got a lot of healing on my own too, as a codependent, went through a lot of various modalities of therapy. And I think one of the things that about me is I'm very tenacious and I know that I was able to get fully and completely healed from an eating disorder. So I didn't believe anything was incurable. And if people, if, you know, the addiction recovery rate is very low, relatively speaking, And so I just felt like we're missing some tools on our end. There's no reason we shouldn't see a higher rate. You know, God's not broken. We weren't designed this way. And I believe that, you know, we can get back to our original design with the right tools. So so that really has been my journey is about finding tools that help bring healing to the body, soul, and the spirit. And, you know, so that's been my journey. 2010, I moved to Dallas. I went back to graduate school and got a master's degree in psychology. Along the way, I was introduced to a um, process called the emotion code. 
And that uses muscle testing to find basically to communicate with the subconscious in the same technology as a lie detector test. And I'm able to communicate directly with someone's subconscious and find anything in principles of quantum physics. Um, Prior to that, too, I just felt like everything was directing me back to the law of attraction and these principles in quantum physics that we kind of thrown out. I wrote my first book in 2013, and it was originally designed for Christians who felt like all of the law of attraction and these quantum physics principles were new age and had just kind of written them off and really saw how they were actually very scriptural, very biblical, and very effective in helping people apply, change their lives. And so I began to go down that journey of understanding how to apply these principles personally to my life, to other people's lives, and to deal on a subconscious level that most of our life is dictated by our subconscious beliefs. And uh, and then there's quantum phys- physics principles of behind that on how that shows up in our life and manifests. And so started my private practice using muscle testing and took all the tools I'd learned over 30 years, created my own toolbox, developed my own modality, which is certified, and I train other people to do it. And it really covers structural issues, toxins, nutrition, spiritual issues, mental, emotional issues, and lifestyle issues all in kind of one package. So uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good summary. Yes. Now, I'm interested to know, please elaborate on the specific training that you do. Okay. So I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on my education and years and years. And especially as a single mom of four kids going back to graduate school, it's very tough to get licensed and do all jump through all these hoops unless you have, you know, good financial provision and time. So I really felt like there's such a need out there for healing and that there's very few modalities out there. For example, in addiction, if you go to a 12 step meeting, right, you're always going to see these same three, three things in a 12 step meeting. You're going to see an ashtray, a plate of cookies or brownies and a pot of coffee. So Addicts are still trying to figure out how to manage their brain chemistry without using these substances, right? And so when we combine nutrition with addiction recovery and we teach people how to manage their brain chemistry using natural substances and healthy lifestyle traits, then we can bring their brain to homeostasis. We're actually wired to try to achieve homeostasis or balance. And so when we combine all, you know, body, soul, and spirit into one process, I can deal with the emotional components of addiction. I can deal with the nutritional components of addiction. I can deal with the lifestyle components of addiction all at the same time. And so I like to say that we tend to think compartmentally. So we think, if you think about a key lime pie, and it's a very, you know, firm type of pie. And if you cut it in three pieces, you get these now, these three little, you know, evenly cut, clean cut pieces. But if you try to do the same thing with a cherry pie, you would just end up with a mess. If you try to take a nice, juicy, homemade cherry pie and cut it in three pieces, all the juice runs together and it crumbles. And so we are really more like the cherry pie. One of the things that really understanding energy and energy principles is that, you know, the body manifests things physically that have nothing to do with physical issues. So emotional issues cause physical things, spiritual issues cause physical or emotional things. So if we think about this cherry pie, 
and we can't have these nice clean cut lines between body, soul, and spirit, we kind of have to address the whole thing. And so what my toolbox allows me to do is ask the subconscious, which is a supercomputer because it's registered everything, to tell me what the root issues are, the root causes, the root events that are affecting that person's life currently, whether it's sickness or, you know, anxiety or whatever their current issue is. And so most things are a combination. They're not just one cause or a combination of things that happened that built up to lead to this, you know, symptom, the body manifests a symptom to try to remedy a problem. And so that's kind of the best way to understand it. So over, I, you know, did this other training and from the get go, I started using all my 25 years of tools in this modality. And so I finally just decided to create my own. I have it all electronically done. There's like a mind, it's called a mind map. And you literally just click and go to the next level and you click and go to the next thing and you're eliminating to find the root issues that we want to address. And it's got about, you know, three, 300 different attachments. And uh, basically I do the training in four to five days with people because everything on there has a cheat sheet. So it gives you instructions on what to do in every process. So it saves years and thousands of dollars. (laughs) And can you sort of go more in depth on your new book called Thrive? Sure. The book I wrote in 2013 was called The Believer's Guide to the Law of Attraction. And in 2019, a publisher approached me and said, if you will rewrite your book and add about 50% more content and add more personal stories. And so from 2013 to 19, I had a lot of different experiences that then I could put in the book as examples of the different principles. And so basically the book was designed to explain people to people first the principles of quantum physics, the fact that we're made up of energy, we're made up of atoms, and all atoms vibrate. They have a frequency, and our body vibrates at a certain, a healthy body vibrates at a certain frequency. And as the frequency gets lower, it gets sick. And so the idea from a one, one standpoint is how do we add in high frequency things to raise our vibration? And how do we take out low frequency things that are lowering our vibration? So I like to use the metaphor of a hot air balloon. We're supposed to soar. That's how we were designed. And the two things that determine the height of a hot air balloon are the hydrogen, the hot air, and then the sandbags that hold it down. So, you know, the book is very, very practical. It gives a lot of tips, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual tips on how to cut off sandbags and how to add in hydrogen. The second point of the book, which was written specifically to Christians or to the church, is basically five of the laws in quantum physics, the law of uh, attraction, the law of reciprocity, the law of entanglement, the law of resonance. And I can't think of what the other one is at the moment. And to show where those same principles are in scripture. And so the goal, and I'll give you a reason why this is, this is like such a perfect example in speaking to anybody watching this who's a Christian is that. We would read something like Philippians 4, 8, where it says, think on things that are lovely, pure, good report, you know, virtuous, praiseworthy, these things. And you kind of go, well, that's nice. You know, that's a nice thought. That's a nice sentiment. But if you understand in quantum physics that your thoughts have power and they affect what's going on out here and they affect what's going on in here. And there's all these experiments that have been done to prove that. And I show several of those in the book. 
then all of a sudden I go, wow, like my thoughts really matter. And so when I think on positive things, I'm raising my vibration. I'm creating great things in my body. When I think on negative things, we actually have proven that they create toxins in my body and rejected outwardly. People read my energy. If I'm positive and I'm thinking positive things, we essentially are mind readers because we are picking up other people's frequency. We're energetically communicating 24-7. And so all of a sudden now my thoughts really matter. So that scripture comes alive in a new way because now I understand the science behind what Paul is saying in Philippians about why we're supposed to think on positive things. So for me personally, and what I you know want to encourage in, in the book is that here's why these principles matter and that God is a God of order and structure and the universe was created in an order and these quantum principles govern the order of the universe really and so you know jesus and paul were trying to tell us to do these things or why these things matter you know why we're not supposed to keep offenses with other people and then quantum physics tells us why it matters that we should clear up disagreements with other people instead of just stuffing them inside So that was really my intention on the book is to kind of illuminate how we were designed to thrive and kind of what happens in the church and why we don't, because we don't take seriously some of these encouraging things that we're encouraged to do and then how they affect us negatively. So you're combining psychology, Christianity, and even the law of attraction all into this unified bubble in order to help people improve in their lives. Am I correct? Correct. And nutrition and detoxing and lifestyle. So pretty much understanding that we're all of it and all of it matters. And you can't, you know, I could eat super healthy, but if I'm negative and complaining and, you know, cursing and all that all the time, I'm kind of offsetting the good I'm doing with the nutrition. And so really it's understanding it's a frequency is a cumulative thing of the body, soul, and the spirit. And so we can do one thing right, but if over here we're lowering our frequency, we're offsetting the good with the bad. So now when you're coaching clients, I'm going to assume they don't have all of these problems. You're kind of fixing specific issues that they have. Can you sort of give some stories on clients that you've helped? Because I want people to see this and sort of get a perspective of whether or not they're a good candidate for you. Okay, so let's say someone comes in and they have some kind of chronic illness, okay? So I'm looking at their physical toxins, and I'm able to ask their body these questions using my toolbox with muscle testing. So is there a level of toxicity we can do a detox for? Is there malnutrition we can add supplements for? But then also how much of their illness is a trauma load of just accumulated traumas over their life. I mean, especially things like sexual abuse or abuse just carries a heavy, heavy negative accumulative energy. And so one of the things I like to do is kind of a visual is I use these little cat balls and I use these as these are trapped emotions and they're negative beliefs, right? So if a a negative emotion and a thought comes together, we create a belief And this belief in quantum physics now has a magnetic attraction. That's what the law of attraction says. I'm going to keep attracting in my life what I believe to be true. So I'm just going to keep attracting reinforcement for what I already believe to be true. Okay. Now we all, a hundred percent of us have dozens or hundreds or thousands of these because our life, even just day in day out experience has had negative emotions 
and the negative thoughts or beliefs that attach to those emotions. So we all have these. So everybody can benefit from doing this work because a lot of the work we're doing is looking for these because they're not serving us. And the law of attraction, because this has a vibration or a frequency, it's magnetic. And so it is attracting the very things in my life I don't want, but I believe are going to be true. So if my mom cheated on my dad, cheated on my mom, my first boyfriend cheated on me, and I'm not being gender specific, it goes both ways, then I may think, oh, I want to get married now, but I may not want to marry a cheater, but what do I believe about men, right? My programming, my trauma-based, my experience has been to believe that men are going to cheat on me. My conscious mind doesn't want to believe that's true. But so I'm sending off this message that I'm either A, going to be attracted to somebody who is unfaithful, or I'm with somebody who is normally faithful, but I'm literally sending them a message to cheat on me all the time because I'm expecting it. Okay. So I do this every day of the week. I help people release blocks to um, success. I'll give you an example of a guy who is in Norway. I do most of my work virtually. I do some live and virtual. He's in Norway and he was an engineer, made good money, but he kept noticing that he was making bad investments and he felt like he was self-sabotaging. So long story short, we muscle tested. We found all these events in his life where whenever he did better than his peers, he got rejected. He made the A team in soccer. His peers were on the B team. They were mad at him. He rejected him. He got a better deal on a condo than his brother. His brother is mad at him and rejects him. So his belief is that if I do better than my family or friends, they're going to reject me. Well, that need to be loved and accepted is stronger than his desire to be prosperous. So he's sabotaging his prosperity because he doesn't really believe it'll make him happy. He believes it'll have a negative outcome. Okay. So I do this stuff all day long. We don't know what those things are that are blocking to success, weight loss, love. But all day long, we're not connecting between our negative past experiences and what we think we want. Because what we really want, we're driven by two things, which is purpose and pleasure. So if it's if it doesn't meet one of those two criteria of feeling good, and serving a need of purpose and or then it's going to be overridden by our emotions that are negative. Okay. So that would be a universal example. Um, I do deal with a lot of supernatural stuff because of ministry background. So I have some pretty crazy supernatural stories that I won't share on here, but if anyone's interested, they can certainly reach out and those are always fun, but um, I have a pretty expansive experience with, you know, the dark realm. I work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and, so there's that, but the bulk of most of what's afflicting us in our life is a combination of emotional beliefs that are negative. And then pretty much everybody in America is malnutritioned unless they're supplementing because there's just no way to get enough nutrition in our food. And, you know, your generation versus my generation versus my parents, the food has progressively gotten less and less nutritious. So besides all the junk that they put in food, even if you ate clean, it's pretty hard to get 100% of what you need just from what you eat. So most of America and especially, you know, the under 35s are dealing with malnutrition and your brain is a very delicately balanced organ. So usually things are a combination, but if we kind of understand this hot air balloon idea, 
is I'm adding in good things to make my hot air balloon go higher. And I'm taking out the things that are blocking me from, you know, staying at that higher place. Right. That makes sense? Yes. Now, can you sort of go into what motivated you to sort of get into this whole lifestyle? Because you sort of went from a college student and you were you were pursuing a PhD. Did you ever have conflicts with any of your other colleagues about whether or not it was a good idea to transition more into spirituality? Because I know people that are a lot like you that kind of followed a more STEM route, but then delve more into the spiritual world. That's a really good question. Um, I think when I when I quit graduate school, I did about two thirds of my master's in 90 and then I quit. And I, yeah. the biggest conflict obviously I had was with my parents or my mother specifically. Most of my friend group were all really strong Christians. So they didn't necessarily have any problem with me not getting a degree in psychology, right? Uh, it was still early on. This whole inner healing realm was very new. There wasn't a lot out there. In the alternative medicine, I, I just wasn't very vocal about it. I didn't walk around telling everybody I didn't vaccinate my kids, even though I was probably the only one who didn't. But because I got healed through alternative medicine, that really very early on led me to believe that the body can heal anything given the right tools. So it wasn't, uh, you know, and then I had some trauma. My, my mother died of cancer, but she had really, I would say she died of chemo and radiation similar to my father's death was a lot of it was medicine, you know, medical, you know, so I've had more trauma around the medical industry. I'm very supportive of emergency medicine. I don't believe it's the best thing to treat chronic disease or, you know, long-term illness. Um, I don't think it brings the body back to health. I think it's great for uh, emergency life-saving type of measures. So I believe that pretty much everything can be prevented with lifestyle, health, and nutrition. Again, the body vibrates between this range. And in order to get sick, it has to go below this range. So if we can keep our health in this range, really, I haven't had a lot of opposition over the years because I've pretty much surrounded myself with like-minded people. You know, most of my career, I did, I just recently got my doctorate. I just finished it last year. Um, I went back to get my master's in 2010. So after my kids were a little bit older and I had run a, several businesses for years, I felt that it was time. It wasn't something I really felt like I wanted to do initially. I really felt like God said, I want you to go back and get these credentials now. So, and they help. I and mean, credentials are credentials. People automatically think, you know, what you're talking about just because you have a doctor next to your name. And I was very opposed to that idea because I don't believe that, but it does prove out to be true in the real world that if you have some credentials, people at least see you as seemingly believe you know what you're talking about. So. And if someone else was in your shoes, what type of advice would you give them specifically? I So a lot of the people who do my training were my clients. And I do feel like it's very common, in, in my case included, that like, and there's a principle in scripture on this, that God wants you to use you in the area of your suffering. Okay. So I was the spouse of a sex addict. I also have a book for spouses of sex addicts that I've written. Okay. And then also going through um, my own natural medicine journey and seeing healing, you know, in my body from that. And so usually what I find is that the best way to say it spiritually is you have a, an anointing in the area that you've overcome or mastered. 
So if you had an addiction, then it would make sense that you would be used or have a purpose to help other people. If you, once you've overcome that addiction to help other people who are struggling with addiction. So I feel like one, this modality that I do really, anybody can learn it and it, you can work on yourself with the modality. So some of my clients, I go, look, if you'll just get the training, cause I think you can do this. And I think you're gifted in this and you can work on your own kids and yourself and it'll pay for itself in a short period of time for not having to pay me my cost. Right. And so people are able to get more faster results by working on themselves because they can do it more frequently. And, uh, and, and you can't do everything on yourself, but you can do a lot of it. And so that would be the type of person I would attract one who want to get more advanced healing want to do it quicker, want to work on their own family to people who actually feel like this would be something they could do to help other people. And so those are kind of the two really categories of people who are drawn to, to do this type of practice. So you've already elaborated on the ideal client. Can you sort of go more in depth on a client that may not be ideal for your type of business and your type of skill set? Honestly, I think it's beneficial to everybody because it, really can address any issue with any person. I think the people who are resistant to energy theory or learning something new or super, super sold out on the medical, the allopathic model are probably not going to come see me. Alternative medicine is very different than allopathic medicine. Most of the people, the average person goes to allopathic medicine first, unless they've been educated. Otherwise it doesn't work. And then somebody introduces them to a naturopath or some kind of alternative person and they get healing or relief from that model. So somebody who, you know, I deal with a lot of people who are skeptical. I have a very scientific explanation of what I do. And I go through a demo process to kind of show what muscle testing is and how it works. And then once I kind of start nailing events like, hey, this is a trapped emotion of disgust when you were 15 and it was your cousin, Bobby. And they're like, ah, my cousin, Bobby tried to molest me when I was 15. And so once you kind of get a sample of it, you're like, oh, my gosh, how does she know all this? I'm like, it's your body's telling me your body's communicating me energetically what it wants to release. I don't know you from Adam. So that, you know, so once you kind of get the process, I'm explaining it scientifically. Really, it can benefit everybody. The people that may not come back again are just people who are really entrenched in the allopathic model or very weary, just, you know, very narrow minded in their thinking and don't want to, you know, step outside of that. And that's really the only two people I've seen resistance from. So, Excellent. And can you please elaborate on your specific definition on allopathic versus alternative medicine? Okay. So allopathic medicine treats a symptom and it uses pharmaceuticals. Okay. We cut, burn or poison. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Cut something out. Burning would be like radiation. Chemo is actually poison. So we're going to treat the symptom using a drug or a procedure. Natural medicine says the symptom is the body's effort to heal a problem. If we go in and find the root of the problem and address the root, the symptom goes away. So while I may give you something for the symptom, like let's say you have anxiety and or high blood pressure, and there's a really good essential oil for high blood pressure, 
But naturopathic medicine is going to go in and go, what is causing the high blood pressure? Let's go that and try to find it. In medical school, they don't teach them to look for the causes. They're just looking for the symptoms and how to treat the symptom itself. The problem is that, in my opinion, and again, emergency medicine is an exception, but in the area of disease, the symptom is your body's attempt. Okay, for example, if I have a virus, I get a fever, right? What do most people do when they get a fever? Well, they go to the doctor. Or what would you do if you didn't go to the doctor? What would you grab out of your cabinet? I'll grab some medication, maybe. Tylenol? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so Tylenol reduces your fever, right? But your body is creating the fever to kill the virus. So if you reduce the fever, now your body isn't able to kill the virus. And so now you have a secondary symptom. Um, And I won't, you know, Tylenol actually reduces the fever because your body has to now spend its energy getting the Tylenol flushed out of the body because it's a toxin and it can no longer use your immune system to fight the virus. So that's how it works. So in, we have what was called the law of dual effect. So if you treat a symptom, the body's going to create a secondary effect. We call it a side effect from using that medicine. So I'll have clients who come to see me and they're on five different medications because the second medication was to treat the side effects of the first one. The third medication was to treat the side effects of the second one. But all medications are toxins to the body and eventually the body cannot process that many toxins. It was designed to, but it can't. So in a disease model, allopathic medicine doesn't care or address the why you have that issue. And so we, someone comes in depressed, they just put them on an antidepressant, but they don't ever go, you know, they may go, Hey, you should go see a psychologist and get some therapy. But if the person feels better, they're going to go, I don't need to go see therapy now because I feel better. Well, that feeling better won't last forever because the cause of that depression, the depression was a symptom. The cause of that depression is still in your body and your body's going to find some other way to manifest that symptom in a different way. Does that make sense? Very good. And from what I see, when you look more for the cause, you're not only taking the mile as a doctor, but now you're actually becoming a detective. Can you sort of elaborate on how you find those causes? Because that could be very challenging with clients in general. And that's what the muscle testing does because the body knows the cause. So I went in with chronic fatigue. I went to see a chiropractor who was just a friend for an adjustment. I mentioned I had chronic fatigue. He starts pulling out all these samples and he's muscle testing me. And he says, you have mercury toxicity. So he was able to muscle test and ask my body what was causing the fatigue. So that's what my toolbox allows me to do is what is causing the symptom? What is your body telling me is causing the symptom? It's usually more than one thing. It's an accumulation of things. It could be trauma. It could be malnutrition. It can be toxicity. I'll give you an inter, and I have tons of examples, but I'll just give you one. I have a 23-year-old who comes to see me. She's gained a lot of weight and she's depressed. So I muscle test pesticides at age 19. I said, well, it's saying it's your body's telling me you were exposed to pesticides at age 19. And she goes, well, I live in West Texas and I have no idea what that means. I said, well, I don't know what that means. She goes, you know, West, right near Waco West, where the fertilizer plant blew up. And I said, oh, so you were 19 when the fertilizer plant blew up. And she goes, yes, I was 19. The fertilizer plant blew up. We all rushed to evacuate the nursing home. We're breathing in black, toxic smoke for hours. 
And then right after that, they had to leave their home because there was damage from the explosion. And she went and they stayed in a moldy hotel for three months. So her depression, her weight gain, some of her health issues four years later were primarily caused by an intense exposure to pesticides. Now, those same pesticides could have caused a bunch of different types of symptoms than the ones she had. That's how her body manifested the toxicity from the pesticides. I'll share another one. And this covers another uh, concept too. So I have a 60-year-old client and she is, we're working for a few months and she's had a ton of trauma over and over and over again, lots of trauma. So one repeated trauma was every time that her and her husband made a lot of money, somebody stole from them. So again, just like this other guy, she didn't really want to be wealthy again because there was so much pain attached to wealth for her. So that was one issue. So we're releasing all this trauma energy. She's had a very interesting life. She's kind of a famous person. And so then about three months later, she comes in and she's covered head to toe in this rash. And so I muscle test the rash is being caused by lead in from the year 2000. And she goes, oh, that makes sense. And I said, really? Well, how so? She goes, well, somebody tried to poison me in 2000. And I almost died. I was in the hospital for two weeks with lead poisoning and I almost died. So if you understand the way the body works is our body is designed to survive. And so the body took whatever lead was left over and it stuffed it deep inside her tissues. Okay. And now we've gone and released all this trauma. Remember, everything's cumulative. So all this trauma energy has kept her in survival mode. So we've released all this trauma energy. Her body's starting to heal. And now her body goes, oh, I have some energy left over now. I'm going to go pull that lead up out of these tissues where it's causing damage. And your skin is your largest detoxing organ. So I'm going to get rid of it through the skin. So her body was detoxing lead. That was why she had a rash from 15 years earlier. So it's a fascinating thing. Let's, Let's look at how it's made. If I cut myself, right, I bleed, I scab, and I heal. Our body is amazing. It was designed to heal itself. We just have to take the things out of the way that are keeping it from doing that or give it some things that it needs to be able to do that. Excuse me. I'm just curious. How did you release the trauma energy, though? I'm just wondering. Good question. Okay. So, again, we're made up of atoms. Atoms are energy. And like I showed with these little balls, emotions and beliefs and traumas are all balls of energy. So they're all trapped inside our body. Okay. So we have a system of meridians you know, acupuncture taps into them, acupressure. The body is so amazing. The whole body is shows up in your ear, your hand, your foot, your teeth are connected to your whole body, your face. So the, the different parts of the body just keep recreating the whole body, right? And so we have all these meridians. So we have one meridian called the governing meridian. It goes from the tip of our nose to the base of our spine. So all of this energy ultimately is connected to our governing meridian. And remember, I said that energy has an electromagnetic quality to it, right? So I use it. This is a magnet. And I literally just roll the magnet down their back. Or if it's remote, I can do it on my governing meridian for them. And they can usually feel the energy releasing from their body. I can always feel it when I'm releasing it. But it's very real. It's very tangible. It's very much, if you imagine a picture of a bowl full of these balls trapped all over your body, and their energy. And because it was right up here at the very top of your subconscious, 
and I identified it, I called it out. And now it's like, there's an opening for that energy to be released. And, and I, and you don't have to use a magnet. It's not magic. It's really about your intention. My intention in that moment is to release that energy. Some of this is just almost a show and tell where you can like touch something that's tangible and go, I'm releasing that energy, but it's just as much me going, we're releasing that now. And a lot of time at just by identifying it, people can start to feel it coming out because it's right there. Your body is ready to let go of that. That's what we're asking the body to tell us. What are you ready to let go of? What other treatments do you usually prescribe to your clients as well? Cause I know this is a lot of energy, energy. What about, dietary changes or more general psychology does that so from a structural standpoint i may refer people out to see a massage therapist chiropractor cranial sacral therapy helps realign the body so i may do some therapies like that usually if somebody has cancer i want them to be seeing multiple practitioners we want to look at ozone therapy various other therapies i don't like to be the only one doing that okay i like to have a team of people working on something like cancer because we want to come at it from as many angles as possible uh, so i'm also certified in a 90-day detox process called true cellular detox and it's a very thorough detox uh, even with heavy metals so I think everybody should do it, but I think not everybody's ready to do it. So it's one of those things where a muscle test, hey, we need to put you on this 90-day detox. I have multiple lists of supplements that I have vetted over the years and collaborated with other practitioners on the best supplements for the best issues. And so I literally just muscle test what supplements you need. I may not even know why you need them. I had a client I had been seeing, she was in Grand Cayman. She just shot me an email and she goes, Hey, can you tweak my nutrition? And so I just muscle test, Hey, we need to add this product. It's an eye product. And she emails me back and she says, well, you didn't know this, but last week I had cataract surgery in my eyes. And so I just remotely muscle tested. We needed to add another product to what she was already taking for her eyesight. Okay. And I'm just telling you, I'm not the only one who does this kind of stuff. There are thousands of especially naturopathic and nutritional, not very many people do all of it. I'm one of the few that does uh, my spiritual toolbox is very expansive because of my experience in that realm. The key to so much of it is not just the trapped emotions, but it's the beliefs. The beliefs are what keep attracting new bad things. So a lot of what I do with people is reprogramming their beliefs on a subconscious level. Okay. But to your point, I don't, I refer out in a collaborative way. But as far as other things, nutrition, detoxing, hey, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not drinking enough water, you need to do more exercise, you need to do more stretching, you're allergic to this food, the blood type diet would be a really good idea for you, you know, so it pretty much cover all bases. But I do have people do other types of therapy too, but I have them on my chart. So if they need that other type of therapy, it will literally muscle test and tell me to refer them out to another type of therapy too. And what are some things in the future you intend to do with your business now? Are there any new approaches, any new therapies you've been thinking about? Good question. So I'm actually got some open doors to set up training process or a training protocol for people specifically called to minister to people, survivors of satanic ritual abuse. 
And right now there's a lot of those. There's a lot of women being rescued out of human trafficking and children. And the need is big, getting bigger and bigger. And it's a very difficult. It's probably the most difficult client anybody will ever have. Um, it used to be called multiple personality disorder. And now it's called dissociative identity disorder. And then you're also dealing with a lot of demonic things and darkness. So I'm getting ready to set up, collaborate with some people who are all in various ministries of this type to do some training for them in this. So I'm really excited about that door opening. Um, that's been a desire of my heart. I don't want 10 of those clients, but I want to train other people who are called to specifically do that. I'm doing more teaching, more public speaking related to my book and related to principles in my book and teaching like many workshops. And uh, so on top of my training, I'm wanting to move away from my private practice in the sense of when I train people, I also work with them one-on-one for a little while. And so I become more of a mentor. So I'm wanting to move more into the training and then these other areas of, you know, specific use and then do more public speaking about the principles of living a thriving life, really. And I I think it's, you know, what's interesting to me is that I started rewriting my book in 2019. I finished it in like March or April of 2020. Right after, you know, actually I finished it sooner, but it started getting editing early 2020 and then COVID hit. And so I just really felt like, you know, there's a time and a season that we're in right now where, and this, and this is actually what God told me in 2013. He said, there's going to come in time and season when your vibration really matters and being able to stay at a high vibration can mean the difference of life and death. And so 2020 hit and I went, oh, okay. This is that season we're coming into where fear is one of the worst things for your immune system. And then all of the stuff that's happened is so heavy and, you know, staying well is all of a sudden really important to people. And so understanding how to stay at a high vibration lifestyle is uh, more important than ever because of what's happened in our culture this past year in our world. So. Has your business or client base changed much since 2020? What happened when COVID hit was I opened a door for me to do more training over Zoom. I was doing all my trainings live. And a lot of the people coming for my training were people who had to see their clients live. And they realized now they were either going to be shut down or they had to figure out a new tool set to be able to see people remotely. And so I attracted a lot of trainees who wanted this ability to muscle test remotely for my practice. And then also for what I was teaching them, plus whatever, you know, practice they already had that didn't, if it didn't require touch, but that most of their clientele was coming to see them in person. And so the early, you know, the first several months of COVID, you, nobody could, a lot of these practices were considered non-essential and you could you were shut down. So that was a lot of the people who initially came to see me. So it opened up for me to do more training and more of my clients became virtual. I had moved to Austin in 2018 and I was still commuting back and forth to Dallas quite a bit to see clients. So it's enabled me to not have to commute as much to do more virtual, you know, all over the world. The client themselves has not changed much, but I will say that like around September, Pretty much all my clients were dealing with the same feeling of being disconnected, kind of what I call the effects of the six-month mark of being in a shutdown world. 
where all of a sudden they weren't getting their needs met because they weren't interacting with other human beings and being in their presence. So there's, there, we have this energy field. And when we're with other people, we interact energetically and we don't realize it. And so about September, people were getting really depressed and anxious and all of that. And it was more about not being connected to people than it was about being afraid of getting sick or whatever. So. Very good answer. And do you have any final remarks you'd like to give out to the audience? This was a good interview. Very oh, good. thank you. Thank you. Where, where are you located? Actually, where are you from? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Okay, cool. No, I just, you know, I really encourage you to my book. You can go to integratedlifestrategies.com. You can go to thrivewithrobin.com. If you're not, if you're not really a Christian, you know, don't worry about that part of it. There's still so many great principles in there to learn how to change your life. My goal was to teach people to think quantifiably, right? So rather than think this is healthy, this is unhealthy, I think this raises my vibration, this lowers it. And at a higher vibration, we have more peace and joy. Our life just goes better. So this burger tastes good, but this, you know, broccoli is going to actually enhance my overall life and happiness and joy. So my goal is to teach people to think from a frequency, quantifiable frequency standpoint. And then it's very practical. The book is written to be very practical application. I give a lot of science in there. I get a lot of, a lot of research on where these principles came from. And then for the Christians who think this is all like new age and not, you know, something they should be doing. I give all the scripture that basically gives the exact same principles that are in the the quantum physics principles. So I really feel like the book is for everybody and everybody can benefit. And my goal is just to see people live a higher vibration life. And I think we can change the world when we live from that higher vibration place, because there's a principle of what we call collective consciousness. And if you have a higher vibration population, then that changes the atmosphere that they're in too. So when the world's full of fear, it lowers the vibration. When the world's full of hope, it raises the vibration. So that's the, the simplest way to explain that. But there's a important principle there. So my goal is really just to get people to realize they are in charge of their destiny and their life. They're not victims. And they are partnering with the universe, if you will, on what their destiny looks like. And they can change their life. Very good. All right. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Jim. Jimbo, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Parish Show. 